welcome back to the Masters of Modern podcast. I am your host, Alex Kessler, with a special co-host. Please introduce yourself. I am, my hands are blank. Uh, you can refer to me as David because that is a mouthful of a handle. <laughs> welcome, welcome, David, slash my hands are blank. Uh, and and you come, where, where can people normally find you on the internet? Uh, most of my nonsense has been localized, localized on TikTok. Uh, I am also on Twitter and I am also on Instagram. I'm not really doing things on thread or threads. Um, I am reposting old TikToks on my YouTube and my Instagram page, but I also post art that I do because I am a, uh, a professional animator and I've been uh, uh, posting a lot more of the like doodles and drawings that I've done on my uh, Instagram and Twitter. So wherever you want to see my art, you can go there. Wherever you want to see my videos, you can find them at the aforementioned websites and highly recommend obviously there'll be links below uh amazing tiktoks and 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 honestly you're describing the grand experience of being a tiktok and twitter user at this point which is yeah both of these platforms could die at any moment at any moment i have other platforms (laughs) i don't use them but if either of these platforms die i will be there (laughs) please follow just go hit the follow button then forget about it and then when the platform explodes you can find me over there yeah exactly uh so same uh at kesswell Thanks, and we'll, be t- <laughs> and we'll uh, yeah. uh, be on those platforms until the heat death of the universe erases TikTok and Twitter from yeah. dead hands. Um, but uh, today we were talking about uh, multiple things. A big one is that uh, we just had a massive Magic Pro Tour. Modern Pro Tours happened. The Modern Pro Tour is back. Um, first one in, I believe, years. Uh, obviously, off of the back of the new set, Lord of the Rings. Uh, there were definitely some Lord of the Rings cards featured, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, we also have a ton of announcements. We're not going to go too into that because I think I'm pocketing that for when Ben is back next week, though. Uh, we might talk a little bit Final Fantasy as it does relate to the fact that the Lord of the Rings set was this big modern introduction. Yeah. It's the first Universes Beyond set, and Final Fantasy is going to be the next uh, full, fully designed draftable set uh, of the same variety um and uh those those i think i think will be the key key features of tonight's conversation as uh both of us as far as i can tell are giant final fantasy nerds uh uh, which you learned during the pre-show which you should all check out if you uh subscribe to our patreon you get a full 18 minutes this episode of extra patreon exclusive content uh where we talk about halo one and final fantasy and a bunch of other stuff and uh definitely make sure to check that out as well and uh yeah those are those are the main those are the shout outs (laughs) um um, so we had a pro tour it was modern related what what uh how how did it feel watching the pro tour again on stream really kind of telegraph for the first time again after oh my gosh i could not believe i was getting to watch a modern pro tour again um i am a huge fan of watching competitive magic i am wearing my uh, world champion 2017 sweater, not just because it's cold in the room that I'm in right now, but also because I love this thing. Uh, I got it the year Huey won the Pro Tour, or not the Pro Tour Worlds, which I think was 2017. Um, but I've been following competitive magic, like basically since I started playing magic. Um, I would watch like the Star City streams, I would watch miscellaneous like GP streams, everything like that. And uh, when uh COVID happened and it like stripped all that away from me it was like clearly the thing that i missed the most out of magic i missed it more than playing magic itself uh and to see my favorite like spectator format back on like the big stage with like all of the like the shine and everything of post covid like pro magic was just incredible i'm still not a huge like i'm still not really used to like the uh the vertical camera view that we're getting now 
Um, but I, I still, I'm still, I still need that horizontal view, but it was just, it was super great. It was a bit weird, but in kind of like a fun way to be watching an event that was being streamed in Barcelona while I was in, uh, I was actually, I actually traveled back home to the East coast from the West coast. Um, so like on Friday, I was able to watch the pro tour live, uh, for the most part, I think I like woke up right after the draft uh, rounds finished on day one. Uh, mm-hmm. But for day two, I was like on a plane and um, traveling uh, with my and like, you know, getting to spend time with my family again after not seeing them for a couple of weeks. Um, but for the the finals, I got to uh, I had a friend send me the the VOD to my phone. So the whole day I was watching it on my phone, like uh, like pausing it whenever I had to do something, then opening it back up. And it was just like, it's just like I remember it. <laughs> Well, I mean, one of the things I think that's like interesting about just it being back is how much modern and the pro tour kind of are attached to each other. Like always modern would have the most viewed pro tours because it was like the format people understood and you weren't lost in what was going on. Added to the fact that like, you know, a lot of modern's biggest moments are because the pro tour happened, right? Like the Splinter Twin ban is because Aaron Forsyth went into a closet and was like, you know what, (laughs) if I'm going to really make this pro tour, the most exciting thing possible. We need to shake up the metagame and splitter twin has been kind of like stifling a lot of three drops in the format. So let's get rid of it. And then same as like birthing pod was banned right before yeah. in, right before uh, the pro tour after Tarkir and along with the, the Dell spells. Cause they're like, okay, we're going to ban all these Dell spells cause they're breaking the format in half. But if we do that, it's just going to be birthing pods, the best deck in the format. So let's also ban that so that the pro tour is an unknown landscape. And, yeah. Uh, or look at Eldrazi Winter, where it came from uh, Pro Tour Gate, uh, Oath of the Gate Watch, where like, yeah. so like seeing Lord of the Rings come back and see it being into this format, seeing similar like not mistakes of modern, but like the classic yeah. modern experience of like, oh, the One Ring and Lauren revealed and, and yeah. the uh, Orc- Orcish Bowmasters are just. 12% of the format. <laughs> like, it's entirely just every deck is playing 12 of yeah. them. Is it's just wild. like old times. <laughs> yeah. Um, though we haven't seen a ban yet, which is, you know, which is always, which is always good. Not we yet. saw an October, we were in. It's on my calendar. October 14th, 12th, sometime around there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean that, and that we, we don't have to get too much into the conversation, but that was definitely a little yeah. bit of the, the post preordain unban, which, We'll do a whole episode on that next week. Yeah. Uh, it was like, I feel like at this point you could just unban half the modern ban list. <laughs> like, so, oh my gosh. So much of this format right now is like Modern Horizons 1, 2, and Lord of the Rings and will be Modern Horizons 3 next year. Yeah. That like, at least let like why, uh, why are some of these cards banned? Just let them be unbanned. But I think I think back to the pro tour because that, that's a whole conversation yeah. we can get into and could be an entire episode. Um, some some fun facts, just uh, meta game archetypes. So fifty two players played Rakdos Evoke, uh, including the winner. Yep, thirty players four, played four color Omnath. Twenty nine players played Rhinos. Twenty four players played Mono Green Tron. Nineteen played Golgari Yongmoth. Uh, 16 played Demir, 11 played Living End, 11 played Burn, 9 played Is It Mark Tide, and 8 played Five Color Creativity, kind of rounding out that top 10. I believe Jeskai Breach was 11, and it, it um, yeah. Gate 2 was the best represented, uh, was in the top 10 represented. I kind of like snuck back up there as as probably Creativity dropped. But um, the big, the big, like, big celebratory story was Tron had three positions in the top eight in the end. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. 
jokingly with like only 12 cards different since 2006. (laughs) Oh man, I I built that truck. I I don't think it was the Cedric uh, Phillips list that they showed off comparing it to um, the uh, the list in that like particular tweet or whatever. Yeah, but um, I've been playing Tron consistently since like the first MTGO list were published with uh, like Grove the Bird Willows and like Ivugan and everything like. You're going through all these cards that got banned in modern. I never had a chance to play Splinter Twin because I was always I was priced out of blue fetches because I was a high schooler. Uh, I got really lucky and got green fetches though, so I was able to play Birthing Pod. Um, and my friend built Tron, and then he was eventually like, "You can just have Tron." I'm kind of like bored with this. Um, but to like when B- Twin got banned, I was like, oh, "I'm never going to get a chance to play that." But at least I got Pod, and then Pod got banned, and I was like, "All right, at least I always have Tron." And then. Eldrazi Winter happened, so, which uh, took away my Ayavugan, which I had actually just spent like a whole day like driving around town trying to find the like the one guy who opened the expedition Ayavugan for all oh, the game. No. I was like, I need this. And I got it. And then it's like it's been sitting in my binary. It's gone up because of the Eldrazi um the deck recently. The, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um but like to see Tron and I I know I know Tron won the last modern Pro Tour in 2019. I know, I know. But to see Tron back at the top in the modern Pro Tour was like, this is my favorite. I love Pro Magic. This is so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And well, and and like other bands, like, you know, the part of the Mycosynth Lattice, like it getting Karn, the great creator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is the right Karn, if you were to it ask me the yeah, name. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and there are too many Karns. Uh, they oh, all yeah. look identical to each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, except one is seven mana. That's the one I yeah. could... Uh, Karn liberated i can only recognize in a in a crowded room <laughs> um but <laughs> he's uh the tallest one of them. yeah he's the tallest one he's just like oh yeah oh, there's Karn. yeah um and uh but yeah it was it was kind of like as much as i like classically jund player blue white control player i hate tron <laughs> but like <laughs> seeing a deck like that still top top aiding in that yeah. way was really exciting the fact that it wasn't just like now obviously it is one of the best decks to take advantage of the one ring, uh, which is one of the reasons it was so, so, so benefited by it. Um, So it is new cards kind of keeping it up there, but like the Nazi, just like another cascade deck being like dominating it or another Rakdos deck top, like winning a pro tour kind of thing. Just like how many, what did win, right? Well, it did win actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm here for the Rakdos deck. It's basically just Jun One. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you were to pick the deck that most often looks like Jun in the top twenty, it's the Rakdos Evoke deck. So yeah. I'm, I'm, um, but uh, it definitely, it definitely is really, really cool that Tron, and and it makes sense. Like, and to that point, right? Like, one of the most played decks in the format was Ra- the Rakdos Evoke deck, and if yeah. the most played deck in a format is Jun. You play Tron. That's the easiest classic rule of thumb. Yeah. Um, not to mention four color Omnath is also a mid range, just value engine deck that like Tron can get ahead of. Yeah. Um, Demir Control, even the stuff like Living End, where like you're not you're not playing into their board wipe game as much as other decks might be, is um, and and you get the nice the one ring uh, kind of just makes it so the attack step doesn't hurt you as badly. Um, yeah. It 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 definitely was a cool. It's cool to see. It's a really sweet top eight. Obviously, the other thing that was like a big news, and then I'll, I'll talk about uh, winning percentage for Decklist in a second, is Kai Kai was back in the top eight. I couldn't believe, I could not believe Kai Buddha was actually top eighting a Pro Tour in 2023. I like, I I believe it when you tell me that, but I'm still like, he, oh my God. 
Yeah. Yep. The world yep. is healing. <laughs> I will say, okay, so the last interaction I had with Kai, uh, so uh, do you, were you, did you, were you a participant or did you notice when I like picked a fight with Europe in the middle of January this year? No. <laughs> so I go, I go, uh, the Nuremberg toy fair is the largest toy fair in the world. It's the middle of Germany and okay. it comes right after London. And right before going, I was like, you know, I'm going to Europe. I'm going to tweet about it. Uh, and I was like, you know, I love going to Europe. Europe is one of my favorite places in the world, of course. Uh, but the three things I dislike about it is uh, the things that the things I will miss when I go there is the uh, the fact that they don't have lemonade. They don't have peanut butter and the lacking of ice in the country. And people <laughs> okay. got Europe got so mad at me about it. It was wild. First off, they're like, your peanut, your American Peter, peanut butter is the worst thing ever. It sucks just because we have real peanut butter here, which is just chopped nuts and olive oil. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, the lemonade conversation, which like half of Europe doesn't understand that their lemonade is Sprite, not lemon juice in sugar water, right. which is what American yeah. lemonade is. And there's a debate on which of those is better, I guess. But I don't know why I'm like, why are you mad at me for missing a, a class, like one of the staples of American drinking, uh, yeah. especially in conjunction with iced tea with the Arnold Palmer, which I basically sustained myself on. Uh, now that I don't like drinking exclusively soda to kill myself off of. Uh, and right, then of third, the ice one. And the ice one is the real one because they don't have ice in their country, a continent at all. <laughs> 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 they have ice. If you got a cocktail at a restaurant or a bar, they'll give you one big right. ice cube in it. Or if you like, but like they don't do the way America does ice where you have a big cup and it's filled with ice doesn't exist. I, we're going on a very long tangent because Kai Bodhi called me a liar and a cheat in the middle of this entire experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking crap about Kai. Um, uh, so basically like if you go to Europe and you ask for a glass of water, it's just warm water in a glass. There's no ice right. involved. Uh, God forbid you want to ask for iced tea and iced coffee. Well, uh, God forbid you want to ask for iced coffee, which you, could find during the summer but technically that's like an like it's a slurpee more than it is anything okay. or like they just like iced coffee doesn't exist but i and then iced tea is like insulting so like literally i'll be in germany like can i have an iced coffee and they they will get mad at me like why would why would we have an ice machine in this coffee restaurant and i'm like this is terrible what's wrong I with just want my drink. <laughs> and they're like it's 10 degrees outside i'm like i don't care <laughs> please inject the cold coffee into my veins uh yeah. and then and 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 it, it ends with like the fact that I insinuated that there's a lack of ice, and now I get tagged in them all the time of people also complaining about that there's no ice in Europe, uh -huh. um, because there isn't. They don't put ice in things. It's weird. It's because you all are expected to drink all the time. But uh, okay. Then, so Kai gets in the comments and tell, tells me that like I'm a fool and a liar. I, actually, I'll, let me see if I can find this tweet because it's. Like <laughs> It's so funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If Kai would have told me that I was a fool and a liar, I would print that tweet out and frame it on my wall. I know, I know. I well, I, the, the, well, that's what this that's what we're doing right here. Yeah. <laughs> in this in this in this, in this uh, live posted video, just completely talking out of your ass at this point. Just go to the Starbucks Germany Facebook page and the second and the third out on their wall is iced coffee. Scroll a bit more. I mean, like. <laughs> 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 so I was like, wait, you're the best magic player of all. You're like in contention with Apollo and uh, John Finkel for being the best yeah. magic player of all time. And, and you're mad at me because I insinuated there's no ice in your con. con whatever. <laughs> fine. Uh, I'm proud of him for getting another topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, man, like I just like when 
I think so. Okay, so I have like a list of day one matches that uh, I'd like to like mention and everything. Yeah, go for it. Um, just, yeah, like, yeah. Some like really good matches and um, just cool stuff that was happening. But <laughs> the one thing with Kai is that in round um, in round seven, he actually plays against a friend of mine from Boy Scout camp, Zachary Keeney. Um, and I was so I was like, yeah, my friend's on camera again. He's been doing really well for himself on the pro tour and everything. And then I see who he's playing against, and I'm like. Oh no. Uh and I I think I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. I I think he I think he no, he wins that round because he goes on to play against um uh, Simon Gertsen in round 8 um for the like the day 1 undefeated spot. Okay. And uh not Simon Gertsen, Simon Nielsen. Um and in that in uh, round 8 for, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. I believe them. I don't understand why you're putting the Stone Brain into your main deck in the Tron Mirrors. I'm, I my understanding is that the uh, the like the win percentage that you get by drawing the Stone Brain on turn and like playing it on turn two and activating it on turn three to like slow down their their uh, Tron shenanigans or whatever is better than just having it as like a silver bullet with Karn Great Creator in these mirror matches. I believe them. I'm sure these guys have a lot more tested. Have done a lot of testing. It still seems weird to me, but. Um, Kini plays the Stone Brain, and then he like he tanks for a minute, and he's like, I either need to name Karn the Great Crater or Urza's Tower, and I can't. I, I tried watching the video a couple times. I can't figure out which one he names, but it's the wrong one because he has both Karn and Urza in his hand. Or Urza's sure. Tower. Then he just concedes on the spot, and it's like if he only had lost to Kai Buddha, he wouldn't have had to play that match, and instead it would have <laughs> been Kai and Simon, and yeah, then it would have yeah. been fine. Uh, but like some of the like the day one stuff was like absolutely ridiculous. In in um oh no uh, in uh, round I think hold on I'm sorry I'm lo- reading over my notes and everything I don't actually think Zachary played against um, Kai. No, you know what? I apologize. He played against Kai in round one of the draft the following day. Uh, but what he um what Kai did in round seven was he played against a uh, an Evoke player who played out their entire hand on turn one. Um, I believe it was uh, like grief pitching whatever, uh, to which Kai responds with uh, subtlety pitching force of negation. So then opponent uh, plays like land, fury, and the uh, pitching a red card and then the uh, the undying effect to have it flicker out and back into play. And that's all seven cards, like, just did, on turn one, they just spew their entire hand for their 8-8 double striker. And it just, like, vaporizes Kai because it is an 8-8 double striker. Right, right. Um, but it's it was so cool, like, having to see, like, is there any... If anyone can get out of this situation, it's going to be Kai Buddha. Like, and, and, and no, actually, no, an 8-8 double striker is just the most ridiculous thing on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there was also a moment in round four uh, where a player, a Yawgmoth player was playing against uh, Living End. And it was, like, the last, I think... The Living End player has the Cascade spell on the stack, and uh, the Yawgmoth player needs to draw exactly like green card endurance to be able to not die to you know the Living End going off, and draws exactly that off of the only sacrificing the only two creatures they had with the Yawgmoth, and it's just like getting to see this sort of like crit like you know this kind of stuff happens at like F and M and everything all the time, yeah. but they're playing for like a single draft booster or maybe a set booster, and these guys are playing for Pro Tour stuff. And it's just great. But the the best part, and I'm not even going to talk about the like the fourth game in the finals with Jake and Calcano was 
unbelievable. Like there's too much stuff to talk about. The best thing is um, in Jake's quarterfinal match, uh, and I'm looking at the VOD on the Play MTG uh, uh, YouTube channel right now. There's a moment where Jake attack Jake and uh, his opponent Marco DePivo. They're both at five life, and Jake attacks with two rhinos and an orcish bowmaster, and has like no defensive spells. And it's totally like a chump check to see if Marco will do- like double block with his two rhino tokens, or like get blown out by you know another bowmaster and a lightning bolt and all this other kind of stuff. And when I was watching that moment, I think I was like waiting for my mother to come out of the bathroom or something. I think I, I was like containing myself so hard to try not to like run around this gas station. I was like, oh, do you see this? Do you see how ridiculous this guy is? And to see Jake like go on and finish like the whole event and everything too. Like th- there's just so much high level play in, this, in these tournaments. Like it's, it's impossible to really understand all the effort and work that goes into getting to the pro tour. And then when you see it, it's like, oh, but I get how <laughs> I get why they're here. Everything like that. Right, right. No, I mean, it's it's getting a chance to see players play the best of their ability, obviously, and with that much stakes yeah. online, it's always super exciting. But then at the same time, it's doing stuff that you can do, right? It's, it's yeah. I always like, when I watch Magic Pro play, I'm always like, oh, I understand why people watch golf. <laughs> Where, like, yeah. if I watch golf, I don't know what the, I don't know what the hell's going on, right? Like, or I, yeah. like, I'm like, this is boring. But if I played it, I understand that there's like, oh, I know how to do, I know why they're being, or like, oh, man, I would have never thought to do that. And look how that won them the game. Yeah. It's such a cool thing to witness. And technology for making these exciting has just gotten better and better as as time has gone. And the people doing coverage yeah. have gotten better and better. So it, it's a really spectacular um to watch and to bring this stuff back right like it's been gone for so long i mean i know yeah. it's been around for the last year but the modern version of it has been yeah. gone for so long. well like i don't i honestly don't think we would have gotten the like the, the team handshake like developments with tron without something like the pro tour like pushing them to get to that point like correct i i like looking at i was remember i was looking at my friend uh his deck list and i saw he was only playing three sylvan scrying and was playing the green black talisman for modern horizons sure and i was like what what is happening here? Why would you ever take the fourth Sylvan Scrying out of the deck? And then you like think about it more and more, and it's like, oh, it lets you hit Karn and Ring on on turn three. It, like helps fix you. You know, it, it's it like it's it allows you to play like you know your Relic of Regenitus. They're playing like Urza's Saga too, and all these other like small the, the, little knob tweaks and everything. The deck has gone to the point where it like doesn't need to hit Tron to do busted yeah. things, and then it gets to hit Tron to do busted things, but. It's not good to do it if you're doing it on turn four. It's good to do it on turn. So map is great to get to Tron, but Sylvan yeah. Scrying puts you a turn behind where you need to be. And at that point, you should just be casting your really powerful, if for, your powerful yeah. four drops. Yeah. And like, I've always, th- like, I, I, like, the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, Sylvan Scrying is the worst card in my deck. Like, that, like, um, I have, uh, just like this, like, random assortment of, of lands that I play in my deck. I've actually been playing a Horizon Canopy probably for like six or seven years. Just okay. because, like, if I draw the Sylvan Scrying, it's a very expensive, but it is still a redraw that I can get access to and everything like that. And now seeing these pro players actually go through the motions of, like, no, what if we actually, like, really made Tron good? To, like, say, oh, I don't have to play. I can just get rid of this. I can just, I finally can play an Urza Saga. <laughs> right. Well, like, the 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 just the math of, like, what's the best deck that plays four-drop colorless spells? <laughs> and, yeah. Like, Oh right, that one. Uh, that oh, makes the one sense. That can do it on the third turn. <laughs> right, right, and uh, and follow it up with a three drop. Uh, and like, 
I mean, and, and you mentioned like the this deck wouldn't have really been discovered if it wasn't for the pressure of the Pro Tour. That's ironically why they got rid of the modern Pro Tour, right? There was a period yeah. where Wizards was like, uh, having all of these pros break this format every three months is making every, fans yeah. happen too often because they're figuring it out faster than we could. Let's not do this anymore. Yeah. Um, but I do think I do think in this situation, like and Pro Tours in general always have this warping effect. It's always interesting to see the Grand Prix after the Pro Tour more than the Pro Tour itself because it, it is warped, right? The fact that limited as this big layer of features for instance i believe the best performing deck modern deck in the tournament and, and i believe i mean i know because i have the list in front of me <laughs> uh was merfolk uh, at an eight to 80 oh, percent yeah. winner there was one player because that's how merfolk works <laughs> um, who made it that to a2 but because their limited portion was they had a bad performing limited portion that modern deck never got up there and it could be you know yeah. also on the other hand if twenty like the if twenty Merfolk players were playing, would they have had that good of a win percentage? Probably not. It's right. You know, at least the one player doing well is not a good example. But of even course. like like Team or Rhinos, which then when you look at the top eight, where how many people had Team One, two, three, three, three people was the other like major that had the best win percentage of a deck being played by more than fifteen people. The second best is yeah. Mono Green Tron went fifty four percent, and it. It definitely puts pressure on the format that's interesting, but I'd love to see what the format looks like next big tournament where the tech of this tournament is because that's where Tron was going to do badly, right? Like if we're like Tron, if everyone's like Tron is good and Timor Rhinos is good, how do I beat that? There are decks that are good against those two decks. Someone, uh, someone pointed out that, or so a friend of mine that I know, it was like, yeah, man, I I brought Tron to like FNM and somebody played the, the card, it's like a Modern Horizons like dragon that's like it costs less for if they if they control like a colorless producing land mm-hmm. and like when it enters it destroys a land they control. Um and, and like it's it's just like a four four flying. I, I always yeah. remember when I was like I was never I'm never afraid of Blood Moon, but that dragon is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. It's like it beats face and it costs two mana and it just bleh. Well, and, and this is, I mean, we've talked about Blood Moon before against Tron in this podcast years ago, but the, a re, regurgitation of this fact for and a lesson for people. Blood Moon isn't the best card against Tron because you are no. taking a turn. The same reason that Sylvan's Crying is especially not good is you're playing a three drop that takes a turn off for you to not apply pressure to them. And the Tron player is playing all it's colorless like- spells. <laughs> like, like I just, yeah, yeah like their, their problem is being raced out, not locked out yeah. of Tron lands, the longer the game goes, the more likely they're just going to cast Karn the Great Creator for seven mana, and your Tron land is going to slow you down by yeah. both playing Blood Moon. Sorry, your Blood Moon is going to slow you down by both playing Blood yeah. Moon, which is your turn three being wasted on a thing that doesn't do a whole lot when they're going to play a four-drop Great uh, Ring. And then you're also thar- likely slowing down your mana because the chances that you're also playing an all colorless deck is really low. Yeah, um, and then like it's it's not that's like not even considering the fact that Tron has access to like two really good main deck enchantment removals now with Haywire mm-hmm. Might and Basaju, which yep, just yep. it's Blood Moon doesn't do anything it completely. It gets blanked by those two cards. Kind of the other like interesting features of this tournament beyond just the fact that like you know four big lord of the ring cards kind of showed up is just the presence of the evoke creatures right like the fact that the main deck that won was a evoke creature based deck blinking both fury and grief to be able to lock their opponents out of the format the fact that you know you're looking at a format that is still really dominated by these creatures how do you 
do you think this is good? <laughs> is I guess the question. Uh, it's it's tough because like I saw th- the nice thing is that all five of them are good. Like I know that I saw all five of those cards in play at some point throughout throughout the weekend, and it's nice to see that it's like all f- like unlike the force cycle from MH one where it's like it's just blue and green that see play. Um, but at the same time, it's like I don't I don't really like any of the decks that like really take advantage of them. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, like I and like the evoke deck. I, I think I think it's fine. Like it's a Rakdos mid-range deck or whatever. Um, but the idea of getting like double griefed and then they have a four-two or a four-three with menace on turn one is just it, it doesn't feel like it's fun gameplay. And I think that Fury leads to like, you know, it hates out so much of the format, and then subtlety and endurance are fine. Solitude, I'm kind of like mixed on. Um, but like the black red ones, like I just don't really feel like they're inviting like fun gameplay if that makes sense i think i think i like grief i like grief because you have to work for it to be decent right the fact that you have to like doing weird shenanigans to make this card do one powerful thing which is just thought seize on turn one (laughs) with a three two attach yeah uh or two thought seizes on you know whatever Mm -hmm. but versus like i think fury is maybe the most egregious of the five yeah where like and, and, and in a way that you're like, why, why is Punishing Fire banned? Because Punishing Fire yeah. does a lot less damage to the format than Fury does. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone's like, oh, but it'll keep creature decks out from being played. I'm like, yeah, it's like we're already doing it. If we look at Bowmasters of Fury and Ren and Six. What are, yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? I, man, I, I, I think that the format would probably look a lot better if Ren and Six wasn't around. Sure. Like, I think that it just like, it, it, I think it's nice to have like a four color soup deck like with the, the Omnath deck. Yeah. Um, I just think it's like it. When I was a kid, I was always confused as to why decks kind of stopped at three colors. And I like the idea of like five color control decks. And I always thought that like the Alara era with Lorwyn and reflecting pool on vivid lands and everything was like, Oh, that's like such a cool thing. Like cloud thresher and, and cryptic command in the same deck with, with cruel ultimatum. So having these multicolor decks is fine, but like them having such efficient answers with the pitch elementals and is already annoying. But like then to also have, you know, the the Ragavan killer fetch land recurring Ren and Six in every on like on turn two. It's just like it feels like it's you have already have all this extra like stuff going on. I will as, like, I will say I don't deck. hate the I don't hate the juggling match of Ren and Six versus Ragavan versus Bowmasters. Like I think like Yeah. I think that is I mean, this is the dilemma with Modern Horizons, right? And this is like the right. proponents for it and the anti-fine, the zoomers versus the boomers, right? Which is like the gameplay of modern right now is arguably good. Yeah. And therefore, isn't that the goal? And that's a debate for an entire different podcast episode, I guess. But um, I do think that there is good gameplay. Like the fact that Ren 6 does answer Raghavan and Raghavan is broken, but then Raghavan is, you know, good against other decks. But then Bowmasters is good against both. Yeah. Of them. Like it is a nice little like uh, uh, interaction. It's like that thing with um, when was it like Theros Standard where like Blue Devotion eats black devotion which eats control which eats blue devotion or something like you're almost you're, like yeah, you're it was, it was, to that point. yeah it was like there because there's then the red green monsters right those are like the four yeah, like yeah, yeah. pillars and like you two of them were knit like 50 yeah. 50 and then yeah, yeah yeah like that's what good magic is and modern is supposed to be that but times a thousand and great um so i guess speaking of that so you know this pro tour big word on the street bow masters uh the one ring the roll of the mound is are either of these situations are we close to a hogak situation? Are we close to do we think these cards need to be banned of the format? Do they think what they're great for the format? Where where are you yeah. sitting on based on how dominant they were of this tournament? 
Um, hmm. Well, so it's like obviously or- not like an Eltrazi Winter Hogak situation where it's just like the whole format's ruined. Everyone has to play something to deal with this card. Um, but I, we're not in I hot orc like, summer. Is that not the summer we're yeah, in? <laughs> hot orc summer. <laughs> Put a ring on the orc summer. Um, I think that the ring is probably the card that I would prefer to see go, even though it would power down Tron to the point that it probably becomes like a tier two deck again. Um, but I'm not like all that like upset with it. I feel like it 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 makes like a lot of like control and mid range decks pretty good, which I've always felt were like not like underrepresented in the format, but it always kind of felt like you had to have like a gimmick going on with like creativity or Merc Tide or something like that, where it's like, you have to have some sort of interaction. I can't just sit over here and build a wall and kind of hang out. Um, but with like Bowmasters, like I'm less, I'm like less worried about um, only because like the really, like the only one mana creature that I really think gets completely obliterated is Ragvan. Um and like I'm sure there's like random creature decks that could exist, like humans could probably exist and everything like that. But it felt but like humans didn't really exist before like MH2 came out. Even like yeah, the, the the decks that Bowmaster is hating out of the format entirely are decks that were already they were already kind of like Fury yeah. and Ren and Six existing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think um, if you like do a sweeping ban of like those three one one power like de- the leaders almost like it could it could shake up the format i don't know if the format gets much healthier um but i do think the the key thing is i saw some i think it was on like a a random magic subreddit um somebody posting about how they just slotted the one ring into burn and it was just like this deck is going crazy now i'm like winning so many games yeah and it's like it reminds me of when people started as a joke putting oko thief of crowns into burn in modern and then they were like oh wait a minute no this is this is the correct thing to do this is better yeah 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 and i i think when it, you know, we, I cannot imagine that we would see a Hogak situation with the ring, but I can imagine we could see an Oko situation where the format becomes about the ring. But it also, honestly, it's, to a point, it makes me more and more worried about Card and the Great Creator because sure. um, it's, it's that whole thing with the birthing, when they banned Birthing Pod, where they were like, um, we can't keep printing good creatures because of Birthing Pod, so we're going to ban Birthing Pod so we can essentially unban good creatures in like RD. And I it's think- like, yeah I think, I think i think if the one ring continues to do well but only in karn decks karn goes away i think yeah. that if the one ring does what oko did or i was gonna say death right shaman did a similar thing we're just like yeah. every deck should every deck should just be playing four of these and then do whatever it wants and it's just yeah. gonna make your deck better that i can see get, happening i think that is happening right i think that's what's happening the fact that it's colorless makes it worse or better but worse of a problem yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. and so that's that's definitely why i'm conceding and i also like i think there's a good story there because like the one ring has the feature that it is a licensed property right it is a licensed right. product so is it weird what's the deal with it being banned but i think that like I think it creases the 2.6 value. I think it like, yeah. if, if after three months they need to ban the one ring in October out of modern and it had this like epic summer where Lord of the Rings was the focus or maybe they wait a year, but like, or six months, but yeah. like it had its one yeah. moment and it's like, that's, and the Wizards had to throw the one ring into a volcano. Maybe the, just the band video of someone finding another one and throwing oh, yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, once you just but, make that video and just have it on deck, ready for the band. Yeah, ready for the band. Um, yeah. But it, it definitely, 
I think that would be fine from a P like, that's the thing we're worried for there. Right. So like PR is a part of that decision. For sure. And I think that's good PR. Um, I think if they had to ban multiple cards from the set, that's a problem. If they had to ban the wing and right. bow masters and, uh, young halfling or whatever, or not young halfling. Delighted halfling. Delighted halfling. Yeah. Which I don't think they need to ban. No, I halfling, think that card's incredibly fair. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, I, it's weird. It has two toughness, but otherwise I think like if it didn't, it wouldn't have shown up with fury and Ren and I think it moment. exists to have two toughness, right? I think yeah. that literally wizards of the coast was like, we want a noble hierarch variant to be great in modern at all times. And all of the other ones died of fury, Ren and six and Bowmasters. Let's make one that doesn't. And that's yeah. where, yeah, that's where it came from. Um, it's I mean, I remember back in the day with Deathrite Shaman being so frustrated by Deathrite Shaman because every good yeah. answer a graveyard deck could ever play against it couldn't deal with two toughness. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think the nice thing about Bowmasters and Halfling specifically is like you say that it's like a licensed property kind of thing, but like those are the two cards that like feasibly could be slotted into just any random set in the future. Because there's not like really too much like Lord of the Rings stuff, unless like a mass orcs has any sort of like legal stuff tied up with it. Whereas like the one ring itself is like, this is no, this is the face card of the set and everything like that. I actually, I actually recorded a video. I released a TikTok about this literally today. I actually think like all of the licensed stuff and even orcish bowmasters and, and, and delighted halfling the to halfling. an extent, though they are specifically designed to be reprinted with no problem. Um, <laughs> those are easier to reprint to me than a lot of cards in standard. Like, I think like if Xander was a major modern playable card, cause you could cheat it. Well, it's hard to reprint it, right? You have to either reprint right. it in a reprint set or a commander deck or like a non, a non yeah. set agnostic location where he's dead now, right? Well, he's dead. So yeah, he's a, he's yeah. dead. B, he's specific to Capenna. I mean, the, the whole, the, the oath, but like a, a good example, the one I used in the video better than Xander was Inquisition of Kozlak, right? They yeah, wanted yeah. to reprint Inquisition of Kozlak in battle for Zendikar and kept wanting to reprint it. But because of the flavor issues and the fact that they couldn't reprint it on any other set. And then even when they got to a point where they could for flavor reasons, the main mechanic like of the powerful. faction yeah. was it had to be devoid, <laughs> made it so that the card could like went a, uh, like five years without seeing a reprint that was desperately needed I remember versus I think it was like more expensive at one point than Thoughtseize because of yeah how, like, yeah yeah it, was, it got reprints. like the yeah. 20 bucks and well because when Thoughtseize got reprinted the Theros the Inquisition yeah. got, it was it was down and then yeah um Versus the One Ring, where they could call it the Cauldron of Sadness and reprint it in Eldraine, yeah. or the Son of Dinosaur. Like every set that comes out, they could brand it to fit that set, no problem. And so I think right. like these new, these like branded cards are almost e now. Will they reprint all of them? Because that's what it was response to the videos. Like, there's no way they could reprint everything from the Warcraft, uh, not Warcraft, yeah. Warhammer, Warhammer set. Everything from the, it was like, well, yes, but they don't reprint everything from most sets. Like most sets. There are a ton of random draft chaff from original Ravnica that has never been reprinted. Right. Because no one needs it to be reprinted. I don't need most yeah. of the cards uh, in the Lord of the Rings set to be reprinted. But the ones that are seeing modern play, the ones that are dominating other formats, the ones that are $80, those do need to be reprinted. And right. Wizards has created ways to do that. Um, well, it's, it's interesting. There was an article I was reading this morning, and I, I, I feel bad. I can't remember the, the name of the person who wrote the article. Um, I'll see if my it's in my histories while I'm talking about it. But they um, they essentially wrote about how like when they reprint cards in something like Commander Masters, it really it only really affects the price of cards that were like expensive because they were in 
uh, low supply but high demand, like the medallions. Because like the medallions now you can get for relatively cheap comparative. And same with things like Kindred Dominance. Um, was it, but, was it Cal, Cal's article? I think it might have been. Yeah, that sounds yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but with things like, uh, you know, Crater Hoof Behemoth, Ulamok, like these things where it's like, it's not only they're at the highest rarity, but it's also that they're in like premium products. So yeah. it's like, it's not really going to reduce the price. So I would love to see something like the ring reprinted into maybe not a standard set, but maybe something like Baldur's Gate or something like that, where it's like a lower, it's not a master set, but it's also not a standard set. Maybe yeah. like whatever the Assassin's Creed booster is going to be like that kind of, you know, you know, don't make it the most expensive thing on the planet, but you, know, you can give us yeah, a little there's, there's middle ground. I mean, like, yeah. Right now, there's basically like four versions of product, right? There's standard release product. There's, um, sorry, four price points. There's standard release product, licensed product, uh, right. premium product, and a master's set product where it's like the, the, what, whatever the price point of Commander Masters ended up being. Um, sure expensive <laughs> yeah uh, so you have like like commander masters modern horizons lord of the rings and standard are like the four different types of booster basis and the reason the license one because like all licensed product has 20 percent added on due to how like lord of the rings is getting paid for every magic card with lord of the rings on it being made of course yeah uh, you know modern horizons is set at a premium level that's above a normal pack price point but isn't commander masters level but is like meant to kind of be in the middle and then obviously Commander Masters is like, I mean, we don't have to get into this because I got into this fight way too much during Commander Masters. But <laughs> uh, if you price put cards into a pack that are worth more than the pack opening, stores will just sell it for that amount regardless. So right. whatever. Um, we don't have to talk about that. I'm getting PTSD <laughs> from three weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> but back to the Pro Tour because I do want to bring you back to that. Uh, one thing I do want to yeah. bring up is because there's one solitary deck. Of, there's the deck that won, the Black Red deck, but then also... Uh, the first time I've ever seen a 61 card deck in a top modern top eight pro tour. And it was the oh. amulet. Ti well, yeah. It, it, amulet Titan deck. Um, yeah. obviously there were Yorian decks in ma major tournaments, but that's, of course, that's yeah, but there was never, <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not just um, getting an edge by playing one more. Card. <laughs> right. Um, I, I, I know Dom Harvey is like a huge Amulet Titan player, and I'm sure he's written somewhere about why he plays 61 cards. But when I see someone registering 61 cards, I'm like, this person has played this deck more than I have played, like has probably played more games with this deck than I have played games of Magic in my entire life. Right. right. You don't you don't just settle on 61 cards. You're never just like ah whatever I'll just play. It's like they, they like sit down. They have this like so the re like they have a whole like Google Doc explaining yeah. everything like that. Like. Or, I mean, in this event, right? The other version of that is that they're lazy and didn't want to like, make a decision. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I, like, it feels to me that it's just for gemstone caverns, which That's like goes against the, too. like, where it's just like, I realize that I win 90% of games that I have gemstone, or like gemstone caverns is in my opening hand and it's worth putting it as the sixth. Like, it's the one weird one that you normally would think to cut because everything else in this list is like very tight. Very like, stock. I don't know. Yeah. Like, what you would play different, even the like the expedition map because you have the Urza saga is obviously really important. Um, right. Cultivator Colossus is like obviously a powerhouse that you want just one of like and and being able to find with Summoner's Pact. The fact that it is a tutor deck too makes like one ofs make sense. Um, yeah. That like I do think that it it is something to pay attention to that this did so well because I do think it also is like a oh this could be a really well positioned deck. I've always said that if like you're trying to get into modern 
I almost think this is one of the best decks to learn if you want to do well. Like it's always just going to blast people without them expecting it. And sometimes it's not well positioned, but yeah, it's just so explosive and honestly not that expensive. Like the expensive yeah. cards are all like it's either like stuff lands. like it's like Basaju. But yeah. owning a playset of those isn't a bad idea anyways. Yeah, or, versus Saga, which owning a playset of them, you know. And then like, like I'm looking the one ring now, I guess, is 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 obviously very expensive. Oh, well, but yeah. oh, what are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, so I think I think this would be like if I'm recommending a play, like of all the deck lists on the top eight, I think this one is one that like A, you're just gonna get people, and I think that's how they got to you know the semifinals. It was one of the lists that I think was the most exciting. Obviously, we have Rakdos of Vogue, which we talked about, who won the entire event, which is just another like Fable of the Mirror Breaker is just one of the best cards ever printed, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In every you, format. So, have you ever pl- have you ever played Fable and Paper? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I have I have a uh, 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 Saga Jun built. Um, OK. Do you use um, the actual card or do you use a checklist card? I use the actual card, but then I have a fifth one that is backwards and in a different card sleeve that I use as like a token. Oh, interesting. I um I used to just play the cards in the sleeves, but um after a while I got tired of like doing the pull in, pull out kind of situation. So I just made some checklist cards and I've been using those. Yeah. Um, but like I can't imagine how annoying it must be to have to like flip cards in and out at like a pro yeah. tour event like this and everything too. Like it, it, it's technology I got because I I like really love the pathway lands and I really hate taking the pathway lands out of deck I list. Don't like, play, I don't play pathway lands anywhere. Like they're um, the most obnoxious cards. Well, I'm also a big fan of shadow uh, inner sleeves. So you like even if you have oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the a to reduce the chances of like opaque sleeves getting you know sure, marked yeah. for being see through or whatever, but also because I think they look cool because <laughs> they're like. <laughs> there's their their back of your card sunglasses uh but uh the it makes it makes the pathways like unreadable so i have in my token box every pathway in a clear sleeve double-sided full full art like i got the like the whole place out of the really good yeah, one like ultimate like yeah the, yeah and then i just use though if i play one i just put it aside and play with one of those as like the land that i actually have them play and it's been like that makes sense so like for all flip cards i've just started kind of doing the same thing where i have like a cool premium version and then the ones in sleeves yeah. And then checklists are, are basically doing the same thing, right? I just, I can't read my own handwriting is now actually the real problem. The fact that they're no longer oh, no. check boxes that you can check. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do kind of wish that they made the, like the old Innistrad checklist cards. Cause I just think that like they're, they look, I, I don't know. I'm nostalgic for them. Um, but I started uh, drawing on mine um, to like have like the little distinguishers and everything like that too. So it's like, it's like a nice little added level of like personality to the deck. I dropped out of art school. I don't, I'm not a professional uh, artist, animator. So I feel like you're cheating. Here. <laughs> you don't have your Wacom tablet pen within grabbing distance. I don't, but I did draw this Star Destroyer as one of my drawing finals. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, that's, that's a drawing? Yeah, that's a charcoal oh drawing I made. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like the, in the last deck we haven't really talked about that was like a big uh, top eight contender was the Team of Rhinos deck, which is obviously the other most dominated its biggest addition being Laura, uh, Lorian revealed, which is the Island cycling, um, draw three cards effect, which is just like this deck wants anything that it can cast in that way that has some value later. Uh, it does like what I think what's most interesting about that is how much it spiked subtlety's price. 
Like just oh, yeah, that really? card being playable makes subtlety like an actual oh, top. Yeah, that makes sense. Like you're not, you're one of your lands is a subtlety enforcing negation pitch card, right? That's like what yeah. the format now is. And I don't know. I'm sick of I'm sick of cascade text to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I remember like watching uh like the Living End deck play and like oh man, this technology with the land cyclers now is like even like even better than all of the other like random cyclers that we got back in like Amonkhet and all these yep. other, you know, all these other sets. And now I'm just watching them. I'm like, no, I hate this. I still hate this. I still hate, I still hate watching this. You know, at least, at least with, is, I think living is a cool deck, but I think it's like very, very linear. And like, honestly, these like different cyclers that they're putting in, like could be literally any other card. At least with living end in my head, it's playing really bad cards together to do a cool thing, right? Like it's a bunch of like, mediocre cyclers with the like crashing football decks to me it's like oh no you're just like you're playing with the fact that the rules interact with the cmc of stuff like fire and ice bad badly and and because of that you're able to play just a regular deck that does this cascade thing and the fact that you're now like playing you know multiple subtleties multiple furies etc i don't know that that version of it is the thing that like a more met on yeah, I see what you're saying. Like you're, you're. This is just a regular deck that gets the break cascade accidentally due to the rules being wonky. Yeah, because of cat, like it's cascade's fault, right? Because like cascade used to work in a way that this deck doesn't function because fire used to right. be a thing that you could hit off of it, but because boom bust exists, they're like now have to rotate the rules. So now that's the other way around, but now the other way around allows you to get into crashing footfalls for free. It's it's. Uh, like literally i just built uh so we got the as part of the mtg ambassador program i got all the like commander decks and right. i built the eldrazi one i just took the one that exists and like upgraded it with more cards because i sure, yeah. was like oh i get to play with all these cards that are in a pile and i played it at gen con i was like oh i i hate playing this deck partially because like cascade is boring and then also i like embed it just yeah. like i have a 10 10 idiot on turn four I don't want to hit anyone because then they'll hate me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like a super interesting thing because I, um, my like go-to commander deck is, is this like blue green sort of mid range soup. Um, yeah. but I was like, but I hate like my win condition is like laboratory maniac like myself. And then, but when I win that way, I'm like, okay, I'm done. You guys finish your game. Sure. Uh, sure. 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 I did but it. <laughs> I, I, for a while I was like, I kind of feel like I should, have a deck that involves combat if not to the if not to just get used to it to see if i actually like it and i've just been a coward the whole time so i, I um, same boat my my like preferred play style in commander in excuse me my preferred play style in magic in general is like do nothing until i've obtained enough value that i'm going to win regardless of what anyone can do right where it's like it's like what birthing pot used to do or or what jund did in general where you know it's like and in commander it's like look like I'm like, I'll have like control. I'll, I'll have removal spells. So if you mess with me, I can yeah. be a little bit of the police person of the table and make sure no one wins anytime early. And I'll have some fog effects or whatever. And then I'll get to like, t- like the late game slowly and then win through whatever shenanigans I figure out that hopefully don't involve combat. And, right. but then I was yeah. like, okay, I need a combat deck. And that's where the Jessica Rehan Obosh deck came from, which is basically the same thing. But instead of I'm taking my time and figuring it out, it's like, Oh no, how much, how big can I make one thing? Right. And then if I'm going to attack someone, they're dead. So there's no revenge. I'm just, I hit you right. for 400 damage. And just clean cut. 
like cool good game and then i'll die because someone else will kill me as soon as i attack them being like wait you did how much damage to one person (laughs) (laughs) the way the way that i found uh so i built a skullbriar and uh the way that i do it is i just like i i just go around in like a clockwise whatever just like you're getting attacked next you're getting attacked next sure 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 sure. uh, one of the original jeskai legends from commander 2011 yeah uh, uh, not rayhan uh ruhan ruhan yeah um and then i was like okay i can get behind this because like skullbriar also kind of feels like that where i'm like building up stuff and i also just like the the tactile feel of like a card with like eight different dice on it yes. with like all the different yes. keyword counters and everything skullbriar was one of the only commander decks i ever built on moto which i didn't get to feel that experience but it was just cool because you would see it yeah. like go into the different zones in the app and have like all of the different like things on it which yeah, was yeah, cool yeah. Um, um but i think like opening yourself up to those like different play styles can be like good like i yes. think if i played the team of rhinos list i would enjoy it because it's like y- you look at these different deck lists and like discounting like the questing beast and kai's deck um a lot of them are just like blue red like tempo decks like i have a friend who loves loves love like loves the idea of being able to play delver in modern and i've like mm-hmm. tried to tell him over and over again like please stop please just, just don't just play dragon rage channeler it's del- exactly like it, I've even it done that. it's not the same yeah because um, it's better but, <laughs> yeah but then i send him i send him the like the rhinos list and he's going over it and he's like oh my god this is exactly what i want out of a deck i just right. want the blue green tempo deck and or, or the blue red tempo deck that has like all of these ways to like you know interact with the opponent and i'm like yeah you're also like cheating cards into play too that's kind of cool right and he's like yeah it's fine but i just like having it's you know, it's it's cards. it's the uh the cascade mechanic feels like the delver flip the top card of your library oh i do have yeah. a three two but now it's i just guarantee it's two, two four fours, fours. Yeah, yeah yeah um i i i i, uh, I sympathize it is yeah I, it's definitely it's a cool deck fine <laughs> yeah uh, and if you then, don't think too hard about it it's cool yeah yeah or if i think if you think hard enough about it it's cool one or the other <laughs> i love Someone the question beast in the deck though like that's like my, i think that's like my favorite like metagame call at, that sure. i see in this format where it just like i you know you never know what this card does but then it's one of those like it's like the bone crusher giant of like stop protection no more die like yeah i yeah, just yeah. love like stuff like that happening well it's 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 I think it's really smart to th- see things like that, right? I'm, I'm surprised yeah. that Bone Crusher Giant isn't seeing more play in the Team of Rhino decks for the same reason, but it's because you can't right. target them, right? That's the... Yeah, you would have to, like, target something of your own. Like, you'd probably have to target a Rhino. Kill your I own thing to hit is, them. Like, damage can't be prevented at yeah, all. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess you just t- stop yourself. You just step on your own face. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, and then swing. And maybe it's just, like, you don't kill them fast enough with it, but... Yeah, there's like effects or, or you know, uh, uh, skull crack is another one, right? Which is one of the reasons probably yeah. burn was uh, did actually de- relatively decent, all things considered. Um, yeah. So yeah, so okay, so that's that's the pro tour. That that's I feel like uh, any any last thoughts on the pro tour before we jump on really quickly to Final Fantasy existing? Yeah, I I would say like if you are listening to this and you haven't seen any of the pro tour, I would go watch the finals. Um, there is a uh, moment in there. I don't know if you like, I'll try to be very quick about it. I'll do 10 seconds of spoiler content. No, you can talk Start, as much as you want. Uh, yeah, three, two, one. At one point, Jake uh, casts a thought sees, sees Calcano has an Ulamog in play and it makes him discard it and he has a Voidwalker in play. So he gets to play an Ulamog on three. 
That's so sick. I love that was the, it was a game. I think that was game three or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. It was absolutely incredible, like incredible to see just like that kooky nonsense. But then it follows up with like one of the best games I've ever seen in Pro Magic. Just like back and forth between the two of them. It's like I didn't realize there could be such interaction in a Tron list because Calcano is also playing like the more standard Tron. So you sure. like you don't have the uh, the talismans or the uh, the Urza sagas. Um, so it's just like it's very good gameplay. I would say go and watch that one match if you're only going to watch one match from the entire set. Just watch the finals. One and and also just a shout out to the coverage team. I mean, there's some amazing stuff oh, that yeah. they did. It, like it's it's very cool to see a that come back and then also people just being masters of that craft alongside all of the masters oh playing God. the game itself. Yeah, Listen, having Cedric Phillips' voice in my ears again was just like <laughs> he's my best friend on the whole world. He's never met me. I will I will say I will say like on the down note, not the down note of the thing, but the we, we talked about it a little bit I think during the pre-show, but Barcelona itself uh Shout out to the like four people that had to go to the hospital because their air conditioning wasn't on during the entire experience. So like beyond beyond the gruelingness of a normal tournament, the people that made it to this top eight did it in like 90 degree in tournament weather. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sweating their butts off. So uh, this was this was like it it was hot yoga magic. The gathering pro tour. Yeah, exactly. Um, So so shout out to everyone. Um, all right. So amongst a bunch of announcements that happened that we'll do a full episode later, but I'm going to grab you now because you are also uh, and it sounds like more of a Final Fantasy stan. Than I'm a I Final am. Fantasy freak. Uh, we, we call them maniacs at the office as we design different board <laughs> games for different retro games. Uh, um, we, uh, we we just made a uh, Sonic the Hedgehog game that comes out later this year. And the person oh, awesome. main designer is like, I'm a Sonic maniac. I'm, I'm a Sonic enthusiast. My friend's a maniac. I'm the enthusiast. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know, every level's name. <laughs> right. Um, but Final Fantasy, I'm so hyped. This is like a dream set. Like if I were to pick top five yeah. things, my favorite video game of all time, often in contention is Final Fantasy IX. Uh, yeah. There are so many things I want from the set. Uh, you were, We were just talking before in the pre-show how you've been collecting micro DSs and how you have the Final Fantasy 2 slash 4 edition from game back in micro, the day. Yeah um and uh what are you looking for the most so there's all of these all this discourse about universes beyond and i'm all hyped what, what right. are you looking for the most for the final fantasy set uh coming up if i so when so i don't care at all about lord of the rings i'm trying to listen to the audiobooks and like book club it with a friend of mine to like further appreciate it because i understand it's sort of like the ur fantasy um story but with Final Fantasy, I'm like very ingrained in it. I've played about half of the games. I'm going to try to play the rest, the other half of them before the set comes out so I can fully appreciate everything. Um, but the thing is that like my two biggest like things that I'm into are Final Fantasy and Magic the Gathering. So you think this crossover set I would I would love. But the problem for me is that I'm not the biggest fan of Universe Beyond cards being legal in modern. Sure. Um, just because I it kind of feels like it takes away some of the uniqueness of it. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm being like gatekeeper or anything like that. I'm not trying to sound like I don't want your thing. Like I don't, you shouldn't be allowed to enjoy or anything like that. It's more of my own personal brainworm of like having this thing that has been a part of my life for 10 plus years now. And then like this, the, uh, like imagine like a chocolate bar. I've been eating the same chocolate bar every single year. And then all of a sudden there's chocolate and peanut butter on it. It's just like, I'm, a, and it's like, it still tastes good. It's just like, you're I'm kind of like, the old thing. But yeah, it, it. I think this is a safe middle ground, not a safe middle ground, but like kind of the middle ground opinion I have in it. I love the universes beyond sets. I don't like yeah. modern horizon sets. 
Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of the thing is after seeing LTR showing up in the Pro Tour and seeing the ring, the Bowmasters, to a lesser like and like all the other cards as well, it's like it didn't like it didn't feel as bad as I thought it would seeing that happen. Like I was like, oh, this is fine. Like I kind of, and like the ring allowing Tron to sort of like power up to the point where it was like tier one again was like really nice. And I was like, okay, I will forgive you, Tolkien, for this for your transgression against me personally in this instance. But don't do it again. So guess, with, with the Final yeah, Fantasy set, I'm like, I'm kind of hoping that we get a lower power version of the Lord of the Rings set. Like, I would love to be able to just draft this set with my friends. Um, I did a Lord of the Rings draft the other day and it was fine, but I haven't really like done it mm-hmm. before. So I don't really know any of the like the interactions or anything. So it was more of a just excuse to hang out with my friends. But I am all for like the Final Fantasy cards being cool and like having all these fun interactions and everything like that. Um, the thing that I would prefer is if there is not like a card that slots into Tron like the ring did, just so I can kind of keep this illusion in my head of the like the the little world where like I can still play my favorite like IP in its own little box. And then if I want to, I can also still play the Final Fantasy one. But I understand that like after seeing Lord of the Rings, that's probably not going to happen. But I also can't pin down one particular thing in a Final Fantasy game that's going to be the the equivalent of the One Ring. Yeah, I think I think I have like three kind of three sides of it. One is I I honestly feel that problem less with Lord of the Rings than I had with um, Modern like Horizon and the other like oh Modern no no Horizon, no no, sorry, no, no. Yeah. with 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 the like their effect on the format. I think there's like two yeah. reasons. One actually like I don't I think Lord of the Rings is underpowered compared to Modern Horizons, right? Oh, and, of course, like, yeah. It's just like, so happens that like, like the like, cards that are not underpowered are like very good. Right, like, like, but there's like four cards that are seeing a lot of play. They're probably seeing a little bit too much play. But there's not that many more cards than a standard, a standard, standard set, a, a regular standard, a typical set. standard set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, right where it's like, okay, four cards from. I hope four cards. I would be disappointed if four cards from Eldraine don't see play in modern. Uh, yeah, exactly. maybe not to the extent that the One Ring is, but I think that's more of a flaw of colorless, powerful cards than it is, of course, to do with it being Lord of the Rings themed. And I will say that with the Lord of the Rings set, because of the attachment to the IP, I feel more like it would feel like if I played through a card as it lived to standard and then evolved into modern as like okay. older sets do than I do with like Raghavan or or especially like Murktide yeah. or like the random mid-tier cards that I'm never going to see in my life. Um, uh, on the other hand, I don't disagree with you that like these being funneled right into modern is a little bit weird. And I but like I, I'm going to go back. I'm arguing with myself, basically. <laughs> the, the, the other side of that is I do understand that wizards, if they're going to print, print like, sets like this, they need them to have a home. And that home can't be legacy anymore because no one can play that format. I, I wish not they could. Say, yeah. You're not allowed to due to the rules of a legal. I would, I would love I mean, to one time to wizards tried breaking that legal agreement. It broke magic in half for all of yeah. November last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't. Yeah, I get like. I go back and forth on it in some ways. I'm like, just then rip the bandaid off and let all these commander products also just be legal and modern. And let's just yeah, like, that's... let modern yeah. be legacy, but without the reserve list. Cause like the, the thing with me is like, I, I think that's like a really good point is that my fear with Lord of the Rings and final fantasy and other, all these other like direct to modern, but not for modern sets that could be coming out. Um, is that I'm worried that the checks and balances that are in place in 
Modern Horizons are not also in place for these. I'm just going to go with Universe Beyond sets, like these Universe Beyond sets, because obviously we can get stuff like the One Ring. Um, obviously, we can get stuff like Fury. But the thing is that we don't get stuff like True Name Nemesis. We don't get stuff like uh, the Initiative. These like multiplayer mechanics that like kind of break Legacy for a little bit that feel fine when you're playing with two other people, but when you're in a one-on-one game, it gets a little bit like sketchy. So I, I would say I actually think Lord of the Rings has more scrutiny on it than a modern horizon set in that regard. No, well, of course, I, yeah. I, I don't think it's getting like a, it's, it wasn't designed to be multiplayer. So like, yes, it has the, the ring mechanic, but that was balanced specifically for one V one play in the same way. Dungeons, the original dungeons were not initiative, but regular dungeons. Yeah. Um, the, other feature to it though is that like wizards has a lot more dollars invested into it right so they're gonna put put the attention on a team to make sure it's as close to what they want it to be as possible versus modern horizons which they have investment on it but they don't have that much like it they can't expend more resources due to them investing into the ip itself and paying another company hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to do this so i think i think there is a little bit I go back, like, I think that's one of the reasons this only has four cards. And I think, like, the one ring is broken. I think they missed on the one ring. And I think Bowmasters is actually them. I think Bowmasters was them saying, we want to put a card in this set directly into modern that is powerful enough to answer Raghavan and to answer stuff like Serum Visions when we unban it. I think yeah. that the one ring was, we want to make the one ring really flavorfully and cool. And maybe last minute we changed it from a five drop to a four drop because we wanted it to be a little bit modern playable more than yeah. we were doing in testing. Or, and oops. Or maybe they like, yeah, like they, maybe it was supposed to be you get the bird encounters, but then they're worried that new players don't understand. Like, what does it mean that I get a counter? Like, there's so many knobs that could have been turned on it. Not like, and it's not like Oko where it's like, you just left this giant hole in the card. Why did you do that? And they're like, oh, we didn't see that there. It's like, no, you just twist this here and twist this here. This card's right. fine. Like, I think I think your point is per- like they like they looked at the set like this is going to be the set that mo- this is going to be the most important card in this set, and we need beginners to be able to play with it. What can we do in testing? They maybe were like, oh, when I do this, does do I like if I get burn encounters? What is that? You know, like all I agree. I think that's like a perfect example of how this card went from being broken fine to broken due to the requirements of the set at large. Um, yeah. I think that'll happen. I think as far as Final Fantasy goes, we've talked about this on the podcast before. The better example I have is uh, is is Zelda. A, I think you don't do a one of one again, or you don't do a one of one for a while. But I think there's other akin to that. Like I would do a one of three Triforce if I was doing Zelda, yeah. for instance, where it's like it's similar to one of one, but it's different. I don't know you what that would be. You get that like casual base to kind of resonate with this like card game without having to learn all the rules of the game they can just easily see oh this is a like you know there's one of 16 different crystals for all the different final fantasy games or something like that like well and that's like i think i think like what i would i think the thing don't serialize and i think for this one you don't do a there's a problem right because like two square enix they now want their one of one ring Right. If I'm a licensor, if I own if I own Final Fantasy and the Lord of the Rings people come to me like, hey, we want to do this. I'm going to be like, OK, how are you getting Post Malone to buy my IP for two point six right. million dollars? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's now part of the agreement. So on one hand, I think they do need to top it or at least come up with something similar. But that makes more sense with the IP. On the other yeah. hand. The thing I would serialize is the summons. I like that to me, the oh, like yeah. most iconic across all of them. That is the thing that is where power comes from are Bahamut, Shiva, 
Ifrit, it's Ramu, like, it's Carbuncle, yeah. right? It's like they're they're the things that are in all of them. They're characters that are all of them. They're these godlike beings, and you could do cool flip cards like sagas that flip into them. Or I was joking about doing a materia earlier today. That's like a enchantment equipment that or enchantment aura, enchant equipment. Uh, you and know, one this equipment, one one this creature attacks, summon Bahamut, and it's an eight eight that yeah. like destroys a permanent if it does damage or you know, like there's like cool stuff you could do. It was a lot of text on one card. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, there's just so much cool stuff. I I want to see like partner with with like Vivi and Steiner. There's like so many cool things you could do. Yeah. But like, what do you do yeah. as the thing? The one thing though that I like, I, I the thing that always gets me about like the universe beyond stuff is that personally. I love the Godzilla name tag. I think that's like a very elegant way to like universe within kind of stuff like that. And uh, as much as I would probably dislike it because I have like a set of altered Tron lands, if they came out with a card that's like Kefka's tower, Kefka's power plant, Kefka's mo- like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm totally on board with reskins of cards within you like and everything yeah, like yeah. that. Well, with, like, like the box top of the rings, rings, right? Like the, yes, the like they the did that. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I love I love those cards. I I do. I think I agree. I love them even a little bit more, though. I will say. When it comes to legendary creatures, I think I like Stranger Things more than I like um, just a reskin of a character. I'm trying to think there's big examples, but I'm not thinking of them quickly enough Um, where like Godzilla cards. Yeah, yeah, the Godzilla cards, right? Like, to be honest, I like Vadrock way more than I like Ray Ray Rayon. Yeah. I don't know. There's too many R U H A N characters in fiction, apparently today's episode. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, obviously the bandaid is ripped off, right? So like universes, be honest here. I kind of love it like that. I'm definitely more on the side of like, I want to see all the things I love. I'm also like, it's escalated where stranger things is like something I love. Then it's been a bunch of stuff. I don't know anything about Lord of the Rings. I love final fantasy. It's not the peak, but it's like, it's my, I think my peaks have their own teeth. Well, I don't know. Final Fantasy has its own TCG. This leaves One Piece up. I could be getting a One Piece one of these. Yes. Well, from, from what I understand, my local game store has talked about the Final Fantasy TCG, and me and my friends, when we go to play Commander, sometimes we'll buy a pack just to, like, just to buy a pack, you know? Like, you just sift through it. And um, I have said, like, hey, do you guys, like, can, like, when are you guys getting the new pre-release product? And he was like, dude, I don't know if we're even going to buy any more of this. Like, you guys are honestly, in the past six months, you guys just buying, like, one or two packs every week has been the most product we've moved of this in, like, a year. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I feel like when Square sees, like, the Final Fantasy set come out, they're going to be like, okay, we don't ever need to do anything else with our own card game. This is way cheaper. Let's just pay these guys to do this again. There's also, there's also like, like, their game can be very successful in Japan where, which has yeah. a much wider TCG market. Like there are thousands of TCGs that are successful in Japan where like in the United States, there's five and, yeah. um, and they could, and they'll be happy with that. Right. They're not, they're not like, they could be totally fine. A final fantasy, the card game as part of magic does well here. And then they are a separated yeah. deal or what that looks like. But that's also true with one piece, right? Like that's true with the other TCGs. There's also a level of like, I don't know how much they compete. Yeah. Like, I don't if they a little bit with one piece because there's a little bit of me playing the one piece CCG. That's me saying I can't do this in magic. So I'll learn a new TCG to do it. Um, But at the same time, it's not going to continue coming out. Right. I'm going to get one launch and then that's it. And and it could even and you could also do it different. 
I, now I'm just talking how do you do a one piece TCG, which we don't need to talk about. But like if you just did a secret layer, that absolutely doesn't compete with the TCG in the same way right. that like other games have had Black Lotus. The what's the not Battlegrounds, but Dual Wizards, Masters. Dual Masters had like the Black Lotus card, right? That didn't compete. It just yeah. was a marketing opportunity. So that does. Sorry, you, you mentioning the Black Lotus thing does make me think about stuff. You know, like what I really wish Magic would actually start doing more of like w- would be crossing over with other ips to the point that it felt like magic was more of like its own brand like because to me it's like i can't think of very many things except for like maybe smite and like team fortress 2 that have had like magic crossovers sure um and it kind of feels like hot like pockets universe you got me shake my hand <laughs> <laughs> um like, it, it, I kind of wish Magic would also feel more confident in branching out into other stuff as well, because I think that it makes it feel, like, more genuine to be like, hey, you you can come play over at my house, I can come play over at your house. I do, I do think, and this and this is coming from the perspective, and, and I, we're both, I think, in the same boat, where we do a lot of Magic lore content. Um, yeah. Like, I, I say this from the perspective of someone who loves the Magic IP and the Magic story and lore. I think with some of the universes beyond product, beyond just also being like a uh, capitalistic uh, uh, waterfall of just this one yeah. thing was so successful that we tried to do it bigger, bigger, bigger. And now the best selling magic set of all time was a Lord of the Rings set. And so there we were here to stay for moving forward yeah. beyond that feature. I think that some of it is also they tried like, they, you know, they've done pop Funkos. They've done all these that like they've done all this stuff where they've licensed magic characters, the things and it just hasn't expanded out of their brand as well as they would hoped, as well as bringing other brands into magic has gotten other people into magic in a way that has expanded their brand better. Like more people know who Chandra Nalar is now because of the Lord of the Rings set than any amount of hot pockets ever made. Uh, (laughs) Or (laughs) like what the, the, the other IP license things or like Garrick or whatever. And I think that, is it, it yes you could add magic characters to other things i just i'm not sure how easily it would be for them to recognize that they exist yeah that makes sense fair enough and i, and I don't i don't have a good answer to why like because I, I i love these characters right i think like all of them are great some of it is just because the character stories behind them are a little bit more niche to find i think like yeah most people have weird opinions about Jace, a relatively mild to great character, but you don't know he's a mild to great character unless you've actively been reading every story he's ever been in. You've just recognized that he's like generic white moody dude who like is on broken cards that everyone's staring at three times in a row. Um, And that's like, and then you have weird mischaracterizations like Chandra's roller coaster of a personality or Nissa's roller coaster of a personality where sometimes they're the best characters in magic some of the, the really coolest cards in magic, but then you have stuff like, you know, uh, war of the spark <laughs> novels. Yeah. That are like, I, I make a joke with my friends that I've actually gotten more use out of that as a prop in some of my like earlier TikToks than I did actually get enjoyment out of it as a physical novel. Sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And le- yeah, I mean, we don't have to get too much into like the problems and strengths of the magic story, but I, I I think that the IPs coming into magic are going to bring more strengths to magic's IP on its own than I think people give it credit for. I think is that like what yeah. I'm saying is like people That's like will a very be, positive outlook on it. Yeah. I'm I'm if anything positive. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, because uh, you know 
people make the Fortnite joke, but Fortnite on its face has actually like relatively well built recognizable IP for how non-existent the IP is. And yeah. Magic has a lot of really good IP that by bringing these things like i feel like they're differentiated enough like yes some of the lord of the rings cards are going to be you know confusing but with other wings but that's because lord of the rings is the grandfather of all fantasy and arguably yeah everything in magic is just lord of the rings (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it it it, that along with like what we've seen where where they're going with the story moving forward and all the different sets we're going to and how they're going to be blending genres even further I, just, I don't know. I'm yeah. just excited for them trying cool stuff. And for the most part, when they've done yeah. genre work, I'm happiest, right? I love Capenna. I love Theros. I love Innistrad. I love the world they build that are more trope filled than I love like some of the worlds that aren't that. Right. Well, yeah, I think like looking at the, like the, the story and everything coming out, like the, I think I'm honestly the most excited for Thunder Junction um, just because I aim <laughs> not just not just Oko, not just uh, cowboys, but um, I actually when that first like uh, image for March of the Machine came out with like Chandra like right in the middle with like Asika in the background, that one Kamigawa dragon, the one random Strixhaven student. Me and a bunch of people were like, "Are we going to be able to travel from planes just like willy nilly now?" Like and. Initially, at first, I was very much like, no, my magic needs to stay, like, the walls need to stay up because I want to make sure, like, each world should be in its own little box. But then, like, as, like, more and more time went on, I was like, actually, this is way more interesting to have, like, maybe there's just, like, a study abroad program between the Telerian Academy and Strixhaven. Like, just mundane stuff like that. I don't need big nonsense and everything like that. And Thunder Junction and then the, like, the Wacky Racist set of like i i assume it's thunder junction is it used to be some sort of wasteland plane and then just it just has a bunch of omen paths popping up and everything like the more and more like oh we couldn't have had that story beforehand um it, and it, like this it, is way more better but like to bring it back to like modern and everything like that too it's like it's i think it's probably like that for me with like the the universe beyond sets of like at first i'm not like this huge fan of it because i feel like everything should be in its own box area but i think it opens up to like now that you explain the whole thing to me, like it opens up to new people who didn't know anything about magic actually learning who Jace uh, Bellerin is and why everyone hates to Jace Bellerin. Right, right. Like if you started playing Magic during Lord of the Rings because you're a Lord of the Rings fan and this is like a high profile game, they're like, you know what? I love Lord of the Rings. You love magic. I'm going to come play your game. And you yeah. liked it. You are now going to know who Will and Rowan are. <laughs> yeah. As and of like, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the, uh, the wild story so far. I'm, I have an unhealthy attachment to the Strixhaven story. Uh, I like, but like, I even have like a friend who is just getting into the game because he he saw a Lord, he literally saw a Lord of the Rings booster pack and decided to open them and got an Orcish Bowmasters in it. And we had to be like, dude, 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 hold on, hold on. He's now addicted to gambling, is what's happened. Yeah, well, well, he was like, oh, I want to hold this and see if it gets to a hundred dollars. We're like, no, 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 let's calm down, let's calm down. Just go sell it to a store and buy a commander deck. Let's like come to this on Tuesday. <laughs> but it's like having that ability to like get the people because we've always like talked about wanting to do like a cube draft, but we've only ever had like five or six. Like f- at most, I think we've had six people. But mm-hmm. like with Lord of the Rings and all these other stuff, that's like that's going to round that out. So it's going to be easier yeah. to cube draft. It's going to be easier to fill like modern FNM or something like that, which might not normally have like people showing up. It might when I if I ever go back to draft. I used to play a lot of limited. If I ever go back to limited, it's going to be larger than just two pods. And one of the pods has to have like nine people in it or something right. like that. 
So, so back to Final Fantasy before we uh, finalize end the episode. Uh, if you could choose sure. one character and one concept from a Final Fantasy game, which character and then concept would you add to the game? And like concept being like Blitzball, right? Like it or item right. or care, you know, vehicle. <laughs> uh, my my cheat answer is Triple Triad, um, but wow. my my real my real answer is probably what you said, like summons or something like that. Um, like the idea of like, like you said, like a saga or something like that. I think that'd be a really cool idea. Um, I'm sure crystals are going to be treasure tokens or something like that. Um, but for like one sort of character, um, if you had asked me this like a year and a half ago, I would have said Kefka easy. No doubt. I, I played six before I played seven. So I think I'm one of those guys who thinks Kefka is cooler than Sephiroth and everything like that. Yeah. There's four, um, there's four best final fantasies and six, seven, nine, and 10. And depending on how old you are, when that game came out, that's yeah, exactly. your answer. <laughs> but now because, and I, and I won't try to, I won't try to market you to get into 14 on the podcast, but like now there is a I've character tried. in, uh, the, th- I think it's the third expansion of 14 that they've done like character popularity polls and he like outranks Sephiroth by like a wide margin. Sure. And that's the, the one character that I want them to get right. Like out of everything. I don't care. I like, I'm sure Kafka will be cool. I'm sure this character, but like, uh, is it character goes by Ebbet Selk is just like the coolest character and like having that sort of like this new age i feel like he represents like the newer age of final fantasy mm-hmm. um like the the first two expansions of final of 14 were like well received but the third one is like the one that made the game explode yeah yeah um and i think like without that honestly without that character i don't know if we would have got final fantasy 16 at all sure uh, because this, i remember hearing an interview where they were like yeah the initial launch of 14 and then base 15 were both met with such like wide like this is these are garbage and whatever i didn't think we were ever going to make another mainline series game sure um so like i'm sure clive clive, clive rossfield is going to show up he's going to be a cool card he's maybe he's a double-faced card or something like that uh same with cecil same with uh tara like all these other characters that like i love but i think Solidify, like I'm sure, and I'm sure Cloud and Sephiroth are going to be great, but I think solidifying Emmett Selk is like the thing that'll be like for the new age of people who are getting to the game. I have a friend who likes MMOs, and he's like, okay, fine, I'll play a, an actual numbered Final Fantasy now with 16 coming out, and he wouldn't have done that without the other thing. Well, I think I think like there's two things, right? I I think to your point, one of the benefits this set has that is my biggest complaint with the Lord of the Rings set is infinite characters, and not like infinite oh, yeah. ones, but like. One of the problems with Lord of the Rings is there's seven Frodo's and like six Gimli's yeah. and like and like I Laurel, you know, there almost every character has like four different cards that it's really hard for me to keep track of it at all. Like I don't know if you ask me what Saruman did between the four different versions of him, I couldn't tell you uh, to save yeah. my life. I know what the blue black one does because I like complained about that card on the internet. And people said I'm you know bad at magic for not wanting to play against it or something. Uh, right, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> the the final fantasy on the other hand like you every single character could get a character card and you would still like you would fit most of the legendaries like i think we're yeah. gonna get some deep cuts right i think we're gonna get like full casts of most yeah, you're, you're gonna get the city lineup but you're also gonna get the like the party members too yeah right exactly you're like and and which i'm i'm pretty hyped for or i'm hoping for and that that's the benefit of it being like a large like a full draftable set with probably four commander decks that go along with it etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah i think like when we were when we heard about because they announced this before before we knew it was going to be a draftable set we th- we assumed commander decks we were like assuming that yeah, they're like too. 
the like eight bit era commander deck would be one, yeah, one and six. then there would be the like you know seven through through uh ten the like the the classic era uh and then there'd be like the mmo deck and then there would maybe be like 15 and 16 the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah 12 15 and 16 which are like the modern er- versions or whatever and like i would be su- like especially how popular final fantasy 14 is i would be very surprised that there wouldn't be a ton of final the, the question if i'm calling deep cuts will there be final fantasy 11 content oh absolutely <laughs> like that's see i'm telling you like oh i'm gonna play all these games um and if you're i think i said this in the patreon section like i was gonna which all the numbered games i was gonna play i left out 11 because i do not know how i'm supposed to play that game i don't think you can play 11 i don't like i don't no, know it's, if it's-, it's still up you can still pay for a subscription but the problem is that it is a i think it's like a pre-world of warcraft mmo so like it is weird uh, like weird weird stuff it is post. So I played a lot. Eleven is the most MMO I've ever played in my life. Uh, it okay. is post I'm World sorry. of Warcraft, but it is oh, okay. like like within a year post World. Like World of Warcraft was popular, and Final Fantasy Eleven was the hipster game that you played instead. I bought this game four different times because I because to buy it to play it on the PS2, you had to have a special like connector thing, and my parents were divorced, so I bought it both at my mom's and dad's house oh, and then before yeah, yeah, it came yeah. out i had it on the pc so i <laughs> and then i bought it I'm on like, the checking. xbox when i went to college uh um, okay, but by, okay it's 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 the grindiest grindy game like the first 20 levels yeah. you can't play with anyone you just have to be by yourself <laughs> yeah they, they made a uh, they made an area that is reminiscent of how 11's like progression system works in 14 and it's okay. ghost town every single time i go there yeah, um, yep, yep. Like, that makes not yeah. doesn't surprise me. Uh yeah, so I'll be interested to see if we get some eleven things and if anyone even knows who they are. Uh yeah. well, I think, like I think I think you know what it is? I went to um a Final Fantasy concert a while ago, and um all of the games got a full song played except for eleven. Eleven only had like there was a three-part chocobo melody. Sure. Uh, from like I think it was like two, four, and then eleven. Okay. And then they didn't play an actual song from 11. So my best guess is that of all of the games, 11 would be one of the underrepresented with like two and three. The the thing I'm, I'm partially most excited for, though, is just like Magic the Gathering level grade artwork for one through seven. Oh, or we're, one yeah, through we're, nine. Getting, we're getting a mono art showcase frames as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, that for sure. But like I'm, I'm even saying just too. like fully illustrated versions of like the cast of four and the cast of six. That's yeah. not even like, even the redos of them that we've gotten are like 2009 yeah. level graphics. Right. So like, that's the stuff the that art I'm on the, on the TCG is like for a lot of stuff. Cause they just yeah. use like game reps and everything too. So like being able to like, I know like I am playing final fantasy two right now. I am not enjoying playing it, but I, I just want to check it off. But like, I would like to see fury and illustrated in a way that yeah. is not just like the city art. Cause I think fury outfit is incredible. Well, my, my post earlier was just like my, the joking tweet I made is like, everyone's complaining about universes beyond and I'm here just freaking out about all the cool full art basics. I'm going to be able to yeah, get of yeah, exactly. different final fantasy games. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's going to be, I'm pretty hyped. I'm, I'm really excited. We're, we're definitely running yeah. out of time. So, so very briefly uh, before we wrap uh, uh, obviously thank you to all our patrons. If you aren't a patron of the MM cast, definitely make sure to check it out. Um, where, where can they find you once again? Uh, they can find me on, uh, let me go down the list, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. I think those are like the four big ones. Uh, the username is just my hands are blank on all of them. The, I primarily post on uh, TikTok 
like content. And then if you want to hear my inane ramblings, you can find me on Twitter, post art on my Instagram. And once in a blue moon, I will post full like long form content on my YouTube page. Uh, but for the most part, I've just been re-uploading older skits because I've been doing a, an ungodly amount of TikToks over the past like three years or something like that. I'm like closing in on like the like 900th video or something um, of just like nonsense skit. But uh, primarily, and I highly, just, highly like, recommend as a TikTok follow. Uh, absolutely. I'm the funniest uh, person on the planet. <laughs> um and uh you might as well while you're on tiktok make sure to follow me uh as well as cast entertainment so uh we uh recently rebranded our like gaming division as cast entertainment on twitter uh, instagram etc it's cast underscore ent on tiktok and twitter uh it's a big important thing to follow right now because we just if you backed us on kickstarter for the drop dot uh, d20 kickstarter last year you should have it in the mail right now or have it already uh, we just launched a new game based on the anime Spy X family. Uh, that'll be at Barnes & Noble uh, this September, as well as Books A Million this September. Uh, also, a Mega Man game has uh, been fully released. We've gone store-wide placement in a bunch of different places, as well as a Sonic game that's coming out at the end of this year, along with a Street Fighter game coming out in this year. Uh, we've kind of, uh, the joke at uh, Gen Con uh, that we've had was we were kind of like the kid that got hot at camp, where we went from like having one game <laughs> and some samples of, to- of games we might come out with uh, before COVID, basically, to like, here's a full line of stuff we didn't exist a year ago <laughs> um so uh definitely check all that if you go to uh, i think kessentertainment.co uh, uh no m uh, you can also find all that as well uh and thank you so much uh for joining the 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 podcast and uh absolutely uh, course, anytime come back on let me know uh and uh, thank you fans for liking hit that like and subscribe button all of the other content creator things do the engagement engage uh and get you know give us engagement like post malone uh was given the one ring uh and (laughs) uh we'll talk to everyone next week thanks everyone goodbye this has been a production of time traveler media sending podcasts into the future